Welcome to the Audiobook Speakeasy. I'm Rich Miller, and I'm your host here at the Speakeasy. This is where you'll meet narrators, coaches, engineers, and other audiobook professionals, as well as some listeners who'll be sharing what they look for in a good audiobook. If you're interested in audiobook production, you've come to the right place. So come on in, grab a drink, pull up a chair, and join us for a friendly chat about audiobooks. My guest tonight is a book blogger. In the past, he used to read books, but in the past couple of years, he's become an audiobook aficionado, and now he listens to almost all of the books he reviews. Brian Crespin, thanks for joining me in the speakeasy tonight. Sure thing, and thanks for getting my last name right without even asking me. <laughs> it was a guess. I figured if I it's got good. it wrong... It was, it was dead on. I mean, it was without even... I wouldn't even correct you, so I... I Thank you for having me on, though. I appreciate it. I figured if it was wrong, I could just start <laughs> over. <laughs> no, it's perfect. I like to give people. I, I, it's it's one of those. Uh, it's the tell it. It's the when you get a call from somebody and they just guess. Um, you know, it's not anybody you know. Right, so it's one, right. uh, one of the benefits of it. <laughs> Well, that's great. Well, Brian, I'm glad you could uh, you could come into the speakeasy. I know that between work, home life, and uh, all of the reviewing that you do, which is sure. substantial, uh, yeah. your your time is at a premium. So I really appreciate the fact that you could squeeze in an hour for me here. Of course, and thanks for taking a break out of the, uh, the out of the narration on your side for uh, for having me as well. Sure, yeah, absolutely. I love uh, love talking here in the speakeasy. So speaking of the speakeasy, what are you drinking tonight? <laughs> All right, so I uh, I alluded to it before we started recording, but basically it's it was beautiful here earlier. It was about seventy five, sunny, and then it got really really crappy out. So um, uh, in honor of that tonight, because Buffalo weather changes so frequently, I'm having a dark and stormy. Oh no, kidding! Oh, I got mm-hmm. it wrong. Now see, I heard <laughs> you say at some point that you were a big beer fan. I am, and I knew you were going to assume that, so I threw you <laughs> off. I did it on purpose. <laughs> you did. You did. I, I, I had a choice. I was going to make uh, this drink, or I was going to have that drink, and I decided, now nah, Brian's probably going to be drinking a beer, and so if he's not having a shot with it, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure that between the two of us, we can come up with a boiler maker. So I am oh. having a bourbon tonight. It's, okay. Uh, let All me right. grab the bottle here so I get it right. This is uh, Long Branch. It's a new offering. I think it's a new offering by uh, Wild Turkey. Uh, oh, okay. Wild Turkey being one of my my go to bourbons, um, primarily because it is, I think, the one bourbon that got mentioned on two different episodes of The Sopranos. Um, they also mentioned Glenlivet, but uh, that's a scotch. So anyway, I figured a, a, a bourbon would be good to go along with a beer, but instead you're having a dark and stormy. So tell me, what kind of rum? Uh, it's just, uh, um, what is it? I just poured it. I, I like to throw it around, some, or throw it, like change it up a little bit sometimes, and I, I have mm-hmm. a little bit of Captain Morgan private stock, which isn't supposed to be spiced, but it tastes really, really good in it. Mm-hmm. But I just had some dark Bacardi rum in this guy today. Nothing fancy. Ah, Bacardi. But the mixer I have is fantastic. I brought the can in because I figured you were going to ask me, and yeah. I really enjoy it. So it is uh, Q Spectacular Ginger Beer. Ah, Q. Q, I believe, if I remember correctly, has a very, very spicy ginger beer. It, it is, and this that is this one. It is uh, carbonated water, agave, citric acid, ginger extract, and then extracts of chili pepper. There's a couple other things in there, but oh, it, no has, kidding. it has a chili pepper finish. So you get the t- very typical ginger burn, but then you have the chili burn in the throat after. Um, and it is – that's why I just – I didn't need any kind of fancy rum with it because it – that the beer, the ginger beer by itself is 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 more than enough for me. Pretty so powerful, yeah. yeah. I, didn't, I didn't realize that they actually had chili in there. I knew that I had heard – I have not had any, but I heard that mm-hmm. it was super spicy. And yep. I figured that just meant that they had tons and tons of ginger, but instead they kind of supplement with chili. So yeah, that's, they, that's great. they totally did. It's it's very good, and it's it comes in little mixer cans or like just under eight ounces, so – Sounds like Fever Tree. I, I usually use uh, Fever Tree uh, okay. tonics, and uh, yep. Fever. I think theirs are like six point eight ounces or something like that. Works out really well. Uh, you can do a two to one or a three to one, and yep. it's just about the right amount of tonic. If you want a, a big tall glass, then you know <laughs> you got to get the tall bottle. But uh, but usually that works out well. Well, that's cool that uh, the Q tonic I, or um, ginger beer. I didn't realize yeah. that that had. Uh, that that had chili in it. So good to know going forward. Yeah. I thought I was hoping you hadn't had it or hadn't heard of it, or at least had heard of it and hadn't had it. Cause I wanted to talk about it a little bit, especially cause I knew for a fact that not having craft beer was going to throw you. <laughs> so, but I figured <laughs> it's a easy. It I was like, I got to go fancy tonight. So this is, <laughs> it's not super. Fa- I was also going to throw you. I was, I have a bottle of 
uh, Jameson Caskmates, the IPA edition sitting here, uh, which, I, which would have obviously made sense for me, but I, sure, uh, yeah. I, the dark and stormy with it being bad out, I just had to. Is that a virgin bottle or have you, have you had some? I have not had some yet. Oh, cause I have actually tried that one and I, I really did like it. It, it is, um, it's different. It's not like it's, you know, well, this doesn't taste like whiskey. It's, it's just, uh, got that extra, extra little flavor bomb in there from, from sure. the, from the, uh, IPA cask. So, uh, I, I did enjoy that. I've, I haven't bought a bottle, but I, I just had a taste of it. So, uh, sure. I'm, I'm imagining that you are really going to like that. <laughs> yeah. I've been sitting on it for, for an occasion and I don't know what occasion yet. So I should just find a reason apparently to have it <laughs> because it's five o'clock is often my reason. There you go. That's so. <laughs> a great one. All right. Well, Brian, thanks again for coming in. Really appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers. All right. So, uh, so I understand that you are back East. Uh, where are you from originally? So I'm originally from Erie, Pennsylvania, All which right. is basically two hours between Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Buffalo. If you were to kind of drive it out. Got it. And where are you now? I am in Niagara Falls, New York, which is about 30 minutes north of, of Buffalo, and I'm only about 10 minutes from the actual falls. So that's not too far from where you grew up then? No. No, I always joke that I traded snow for snow, because Erie, <laughs> Erie is one of the snowiest places. I think it might have been the second or third behind Buffalo, and Buffalo is also up there. So um, yeah, I traded snow for snow. Um, I can basically call my mom and dad and figure out what the weather is going to be like in about two or three hours. So <laughs> that's great. Uh, how, and how do you like living in such a touristy area? It's, it's ironic because the tourists are super easy to pick out, but I live just far enough away from the actual falls that I I'm in a totally different area. That's kind of in the city and I live in more of the suburbs, but. Oh, uh, so nobody really gets out your way. You don't really see a, there's a shopping mall, like an outlet mall by me, but because we're so close to Canada and for a couple of years, a couple of years back, the Canadian dollar was so strong. I see a lot of Canadian shoppers, but I don't see as many tourists. So it's interesting, but it's, it's not, it's not overwhelming. And, and I, as long as I don't go down right to the falls, then I basically could miss them and not even know they were here. Yeah. So I assume you don't get that way too often. I know that most people who live in, uh, in spots where tourism is high, typically don't spend a lot of time at the touristy places. That is very true. Like in, like I said, I grew up in Erie and we have Presque Isle where everybody that doesn't have water near them. So Pittsburgh, Cleveland, well, Cleveland has it, but Pittsburgh, anywhere South of us, people would drive two hours to come to the beach and I would go to the beach like twice a year, once a year. Yeah. And now that I live in the falls, I've been to the falls. It's it's great because it's an instant, hey, you're coming to see me. Let's go see the falls kind of thing. But mm -hmm. I haven't had anybody visit in a while. So it's probably been a couple of years. So yeah. you're right. I don't I don't go very often. Yeah. So uh, Erie's a uh, college town, isn't it? It is. It is. Did you by any chance go to school there? I did not. I, I originally went to school about in between Erie and Pittsburgh. So I went to, ironically, Dr. Phil just mentioned it, uh, Slippery Rock University. Um, I am not familiar with Slippery he, Rock. He, he made the you know press release saying he just picked a name out of a hat and thought it wasn't real because nobody that has ever heard of it thinks it's a real college. But it's apparently <laughs> announced, their football scores are announced at, I think, maybe... I want to say it was either Michigan or Notre Dame football games because it's just such a unique name to hear. Uh, um, but yeah, so it's just, a, it was, that's a, a middle of nowhere town. But then I ended up finishing up up here at a, a really nice private college called Niagara University. So, oh. so but I had, so that's my, my you, friends and family went to, sorry, my friends and family, a lot of like my dad went to Gannon, which is one of the schools in Erie. And obviously a lot of the kids I graduated high school with uh, went to the like three or four schools that Erie has. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so a private college up in Niagara. So have you been there ever since? So yeah, I moved up here eight years ago, right before a month before I got married to my now wife. So it was basically, I need to get up there and kind of get settled. So I had taken time off to take care of my grandparents or my grandmother who, or my grandfather who, um, who had Alzheimer's and dementia. So I ended up taking a, a leave of absence from school. Um, I had I like less, right. less than a whole year left, but I was too far away from that school. So I came up here, kind of finished up while I was up here. So that's cool. That's cool. That's uh that's great that you took time off to help out with that. That is a, um, that's a bear. I'm all too familiar yeah. with Alzheimer's and what a toll it takes on, on everybody. 
Yeah, um, it's it's not on the person itself as much. It's more on the family because they don't yep. know what they don't know a yep. lot of times. That, so they do know there's something missing, but yep. they. It's very true. Uh, it, yeah, so. it, it's very true that it is often. I would I would guess. I don't have any statistics on this, but I would guess that it is way more often that it is more of a of a stress on the family members and the caregivers uh, who are typically family members than it is on the person who's got the disease um but again i i don't know the specifics of that sure. and um i know that with my dad it's it's gotten to the point where it's it's impossible to tell what he's <laughs> thinking and so you you just never know you i i don't know if if he's aware that he has this problem and and he hates the fact that he has it for all yeah. I know, he he's completely unaware of it, and he's perfectly happy. It's it's just yep. it gets to a point where it's impossible to know with any degree of certainty. So anyway, uh, good on you for uh, for helping out with that. That's a well, that's, thank you. That's a tough calling. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, I always I always talk about it as I wasn't taking care of Grandpa. I was taking care of Leonard because it wasn't Grandpa at that point. You know, it was. Yeah, I totally you know, understand it's, that. It's really hard if you go into it every day going, that's not my grandfather. But if you go in it and say, hey, good morning, Leonard. Or, you know, I actually watched him at night because I used to be a night owl. You know, he would get up and, you know, we'd have to use the restroom or whatever. And we would chat and he sometimes he'd get up early and we would just have a conversation. And he some days he knew me, some days he didn't. And there's, you know, as long as it's, hey, Leonard, how you doing? Instead of, hey, Grandpa, you know, it was a little bit easier to deal with. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. I um with my dad, I frequently refer to him as Mr. Miller in, in a friendly, happy way. Um, <laughs> sure. But, but I just, you know, call him that because I figure he might, you know, understand the fact that I'm calling him that instead of dad uh, yep. a little bit easier. Again, yep. I have no idea. I could be wrong. So I, I do say dad sometimes, but uh, sure. but that's great. Leonard, taking care of Leonard instead. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Totally understand that. So, um, so you've been there for, uh, I think you said eight years. Yeah, eight years. Yep. When did you start your book blog? Four-ish years ago. I, I I was gonna look. I knew you were gonna ask me, and it wasn't even written down. I just had a feeling, and I I can't remember the date of my first post. Mm -hmm. But I want to say it's been about four years, and I really got really really picked it up in the last two and a half or so. I'd okay. say. All right. So let's move backward from four years ago. When was it that you thought to yourself, "I read so much that I should start a book blog." So you alluded to it by assuming I was going to have a craft beer, but I also write a beer blog because I'm apparently a glutton for punishment about <laughs> spending my time unwisely on things that people may or may not read. Yeah. So I wrote a book blog for or a beer blog for I still write it, but I wrote it for it's probably almost eight to ten years now. Oh, Um and really, there were just a lot of it was just a picture and a short review because um, there's not a ton you can say about beer. I mean, there's a lot you can say, but not as much as a book. There's not the intricacies and the right. you know plot choices and those kind of things, and, and even narrator choices specifically. Like, but so I actually looked my my oldest review. I'll go backwards. It was 2011, but that was technically just because I went back and I found when I originally read those books. I think the first the first audiobook I reviewed was 2014. Okay. So, but anyways, yeah, so the beer blog is what started it. I wrote about beer. I liked it. I liked the community aspect of it a lot. Like I liked going on Twitter. So I have Twitter accounts for both because you, they're, they're different worlds and I, I write it and talk about different things. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I like the community aspect, uh, the beer or the, the book community and the specifically the audiobook community is worlds ahead though. The people in the audiobook community are just wonderful. And I've, really yet to meet anybody that rubbed me the wrong way or anybody that really felt like they were out for themselves, which is, which is super nice and kind of, kind of a relief, kind of relieving in, in that aspect. Well, that, that's great to hear. I mean, I frequently sing the praises of the audiobook community from narrators to listeners to, um, you know, coaches and everybody involved. Um, mm -hmm. It's really good to hear that from somebody who is not a narrator or an audiobook coach or an audiobook engineer, just somebody who listens to audiobooks, but mm -hmm. is sort of dialed into the community. It's, that's great to hear. Yeah. And like I said, it's, it's crazy the, the support you get when you just take a little bit of time out of your day to, to write a review. I mean, and that's really what it is because it is, it's time and energy that I could be doing other things with, but, um, the thanks that you get, um, even when it's a three-star review, um, some of the best compliments I got were everything you wrote about my book was exactly right. Like 
I appreciate you taking the time to tell me it was three stars, you know, because everybody loves to sing praises. Everybody loves their five star reviews, but you can get a lot out of a three star review, too, and say, you know, it was it was good. I really wanted to like it. But also there were these problems I had and Mm -hmm. I've had people reach out about that. And I've had one bad experience in at least five years doing or four years doing it that, you know, rubbed me the wrong way. And everything else has been unbelievably positive. So that's great. That, that, that is good to hear. I, I want to go back for, for just one second. I'm impressed that you were doing a beer blog back, uh, eight to 10 years ago and yeah. your wife married you anyway. I know it's, <laughs> she's not even here to defend herself right now. She's going to be home at some point and I expect her to come in and make fun of me for something, but no, she, uh, she knew. And the irony about, about Erie being a college town is it's also a very, very big drinking town because there's a lot of college age kids and a lot of 21 year olds. Sure. And I grew up not even liking beer. Um, I didn't have my first beer until I was like 22 or 23 and I hated it. And the irony now is that I can't get enough of it. Like that's all, it's, it's just my favorite thing. And, you know, but there were drink specials in Erie that were quarter drafts. You could get a, 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 you know, 10 to 12 ounce cup of beer for a quarter. Oh my gosh. Wow. And I wasn't drinking that. And I became, I started drinking it just because you're just out of college or just, you know, I was at that point kind of in between college and work. Mm-hmm. I don't have, I don't have seven bucks to get a, you know, Long Island iced tea or, you know, but I could have a tray of beer for $5. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. It, it's funny. Cause that's a, that's a lot like me with whiskey. Um, I didn't, Really, I mean, I I had whiskey. I don't know a few times over the course of my life. Actually, only one that I can remember, but there were probably a couple of others. Um, but I didn't really start drinking whiskey until I was in my fifties, and um, and then I, I tried some and I thought, well, it's not as bad as I thought it was. And I thought, well, <laughs> I should I should explore a little because this is old and it's not a really high quality whiskey. So sure. I don't know. Maybe there's something to you know the whole quality thing. And and so I started drinking other ones and. Wow, it opened up a whole world to me. If only I could find a place that had quarter 10 to 12 ounce glasses oh, sure, of right? whiskey, you know, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring water bottles with you and fill them up. And bring them with you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's good. All right. So, uh, so getting back to, to the audiobook thing. So you started blogging about books back about four years ago, had a review longer than that, but, but it really kind of got going about then. Um, but initially you were reading these books, right? Yeah. So I, um, I read, I read a lot. I've been reading for a really long time and you kind of, it's, it's with a lot of things, especially with, you know, you get high school that beats it out of you and then you go into college and you find books you really like. But I had kind of the opposite story. I had an English teacher in high school, um, really young in high school. I think it was ninth grade that we read. He read ironically, now that I think about it, thinking about audiobooks, he read aloud, um, animal farm. He butchered it. He had an absolutely <laughs> monotone voice and just was almost, you know, Ferris Bueller's teacher monotone. Right, but Ben Stein, yeah. The story was so good, right? I mean, the story I really enjoyed. And I, I ended up staying after I had a mentor that lived, he was a teacher that lived down the street from my parents' house who would drive me home from school every once in a while. So one night after school, I was waiting for him to be finished up with the class. I went in and talked to to Dr. Moyer and I just said, Dr. Moy, I really, really liked Animal Farm. What what would you recommend? I need, I would like another book like that. And he recommended 1984. Uh, and it was just on from that point. I mean, there was, you know, and then you go to college. I went to college, excuse me, and it just kind of stopped because you have other things, competing priorities. You get books you're given, you have to read, and then you're given books that you pay $400 for that you never open. Yep. And, you know, you, you kind of lose the, the faith of it. So I was, I, I got back into, I got into, you know, reading once I started watching Grandpa again, that's really what it was. I was watching Leonard, and it was like I got to do something. I was playing video games a little bit, but I just wanted something else to do that mm-hmm. felt kind of you know positive. So I started reading a little bit, then faded out a little bit. You know, came up here, got married, found a job. You know, kind of lose faith in it, and then it went back to I don't feel like I'm. I like to be always improving and kind of always learning. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'll just listen to an audiobook while I'm playing. I'll play Madden. It's a football game. You know, I'll just play Madden and, and I don't need the sound. I don't, I know what I'm doing and I'll just have an audiobook in the background. And there's a couple that I, I can mention. I listen to, uh, a couple like comedians. I love stand up comedy. 
Mm-hmm. And when they write and read their own books, they're fantastic because it's their voice. It's their, it's their life. And they talk about it. So I had a couple of those I listened to, but it was really, um, excuse me. It was really, uh, RC Bray reading and I'm betting you can guess the book. <laughs> I, I would, I would guess it's the Martian, but uh, it was the Martian. Yes, right, it, was. Yeah. it was. It was RC Bray's reading of the Martian. And I, I remember sitting with the controller in my hand that had turned off after 15 minutes because I stopped playing because I was so enthralled by the book. Wow. That's awesome. And that's what it was. It really, that was the kind of, that was the specific, that was the, that was the book that kind of gave me that reopening of the like, Oh my gosh, what have I been missing? And I wish I would have known about audiobooks when I was watching grandpa. Cause I did, I listened to a lot of podcasts obviously, but if I could have spent eight hours a night listening to a book, imagine how many books I could have finished, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So, yeah, yeah. I I could see how you would, how you would think that going back over the time that you spent doing that. So, um, so you went from reading. So is that basically when you went from primarily reading to listening? Yeah, without a, without a doubt. So it, it made me realize that I, there was a set time, right? There is, the book is only so long. It's, you know, eight hours and 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I know in eight hours and 19 minutes, I'm done. Right. And with when you pick up a book, you know, you can get distracted. You fall asleep. I mean, there's just things you can do when you're holding the book and reading. And, and you know, uh, and I was like, oh, and I can also do laundry. And I can, you know, play these sports games on my Xbox at night that I kind of do to calm down and listen to an audiobook at the same time. So you you're almost, you're multitasking, you're getting more than one thing done. Um, and really standard regular books just didn't have a chance at that point. It was, it was really, <laughs> I, I, I did a couple, I did, you know, I get, you know, an arc sent to me for a book that I really wanted to read and I'd find myself sitting on it knowing the audiobook was coming out. Like, I'm like, I can't, I, I, it's going to be so good on audio. I'm just not gonna be able to read it fast enough. Um, and I'll read it a certain way. And I know, I know who's been signed on to read it. And I'm like, I can't do it. So I just kind of, I made it about two years ago. I made it part of the review request, um, on my blog to just say, I, I only take audiobooks. I just don't have the time to actually sit and, and physically read a book anymore. So, um, I'm glad I did. I, I love it. And I, I, I couldn't imagine really going back. So let me ask you about that. You don't have the time to read a book. Believe me. Believe me, I <laughs> totally understand that. And um, I was recently listening to an interview with uh, a well-known narrator who said the same thing about the fact that um, really don't have much time to read for pleasure anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I would say that for myself, given the amount of work that I have, it's not that I don't have any time to read for pleasure anymore, but it is really difficult to fit it in now between other things that I do aside from narrating and mm-hmm. um, and the narration and the prep for the narration. So it is difficult to find the time. I, I, I could, you know, squeeze something else out and, and find the time to read, but it is difficult. So do you read books at all anymore? What, what was um, the last book that you read? Like an actual book that I read? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great question. I don't even know if I could venture a guess of what it was. That's, it's a, <laughs> that, that's what I was thinking was that it's, uh, it's a good question. And whether or not it's you a, can even remember is a telling answer. It's <laughs> a great question. So I will, I, will, I will edit what I said. I will read a short story or a novella every once in a while. You know, a hundred-ish pages because I know how long it's going to take me. I'm a fast reader. I read, I can physically sit and read really fast, but mm-hmm. um, I know I can sit and read that in one or two sittings. Okay. So, in that case, real quickly, I'm going to give you a suggestion. Uh, sure. You reviewed, I don't remember one. I think it was about, it was almost a year ago that you reviewed a book that I narrated, um, Currency of Souls by Keelan yes. Patrick Burke. Yes. And he wrote a novella, I guess you would call it. It was, I think it's about 70 pages called Sour Candy. And, yes. and I picked that. Have you read that? I have not, but I, as I said, I'm, I, I love the community and I remember seeing that one popping up. So, I follow Keelan on Twitter and I remember seeing that one popping up when it came out. Yeah, I would, I would recommend that if you, if you still read occasionally, because that's, it's not out on audio. I've, I've talked to him about it, but, um, hasn't happened yet. Anyway, um, if you, uh, if you still read a novella and you, and I know that you liked Currency of Souls cause it was so weird. 
You should it was read, weird. You should read Sour Candy. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm telling you right now, I literally just bought it. Okay, so, great. <laughs> yep. It's in my, it's that, so I, that's perfect. Great. I will check that out. I, it won't take I appreciate more, the recommendation. It won't take you more than a couple hours. So perfect. didn't mean to get off track there, but when you said novella. So, so really, you're just listening to audiobooks now, and you listen to a lot of audiobooks. True. How many audiobooks do you think you listen to a month? Well, my, my number last year was uh, 125, I think, so about 10 a month. Wow. That's a lot of audiobooks. It is. I have the benefit of living about 30 to 35 minutes from work. Um, a benefit, I say benefit because that gives me an hour to an hour and 10 minutes where I literally can't do anything else mm-hmm. other than drive. Right. So there's at least an hour a day. And then, like I said, I like to play uh, when I wind down. I like to play Xbox when I wind down at night. And a lot of times I'm playing you know, FIFA soccer or Madden NFL. And I don't need the announcers. I know that I scored a goal. I know what's happening in the game. <laughs> so I just mute it and I've got an audiobook on and it's, it's just kind of the perfect, it's, I, I know the days I don't do it, like when I'm traveling or when I'm just unable to do it when it's, there's a lot going on and I, I miss the little bit of downtime I get. So right. I can listen to maybe three upwards of three hours a day during the week. So it sounds um, like you don't have, your job is not conducive to listening while you're working. That's correct. So I, I'm a product manager and a lot of my job is communication of all kinds of aspects. So I do a lot of emails, I have a lot of meetings. Um, and then even when I'm sitting down and I'm doing things that are kind of mindless, so I don't have a lot of mindless work as I guess is the easiest way to say it, but every once in a while I'll need, I'll be like, cause I'll do, I have a little bit of like a UX background. So I'll, I'll do some like mock-ups for something. And I love the like 40 minutes I get to do that where like 40 minutes I can throw a book on, but no, I don't really listen very much at work because the yeah. second you hit play, somebody walks up and has a question. Yep. So it's just like, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to, I'll, I'll forget what I was listening to in that, you know, 30 to 40 minutes I have. So yeah, no, I, I could understand that. So uh, uh, out of those, you know, 120 some odd audiobooks in, in a year, what do you listen to? What uh, what types of books? So I have uh, I have a I'm, I'm apparently pickier than I thought, but I really like um, I've been more and more and more dr- like driven into. Uh, so I, so I'll, I'll start over. So I like techno thrillers. That's probably without a fail the easiest category for me to tell you without question. I love. There's you know. A thriller aspect to it, but it's also a kind of like a sci-fi. So that's just mm-hmm. the perfect marriage in my world. So I like I like sci-fi. I don't like the real epic fantasy necessarily, but I will listen to some fantasy, um, especially very specific authors um, that just know how to write that. It's like almost like comic book fantasy instead of the like mm. you know nine hundred page long epic fantasies. Um, some sci-fi, some thrillers. So, uh, and then, uh, post-apocalyptic was kind of how I made my name starting to review, oh. but there's a weird, um, and I don't want to, I, I don't, I don't know how to say it without offending someone, but I, I, I'm okay with that. There's a weird, um, new thing within the last two years or so where other authors will make a pen name. So like a romance author, for example, will make a pen name and write a boilerplate post-apocalyptic book and get it narrated. And I don't know where the budget comes from. I don't know. And they do okay. And the books are okay. But, um, I read so many of those in kind of almost like in a row that it, it burned me out a little bit, yeah. but then there's, there's, there's authors like Nicholas Sansbury Smith, who is just, I just finished the new hell divers book that came out two, three days ago. Um, and that's a post-apocalyptic world and, and it was narrated by R.C. Bray and it was just fantastic. I mean, it's just, you know, I read that and I'm like, oh, I want to read more. And then I look at the kind of the options and when you look at the name and the Amazon, um, author bio is like a picture of a book or a picture of like a cabin mm-hmm. and the bio doesn't really have any real detail about the person and their name is, is, um, I, I want to actually say one, but I won't throw anybody under the bus, you know? insert typical male first name and last name that you like a gun, you know, that's a very simple way to put it. Like some random gun manufacturer name. So, um, it's hard with that genre because there's also a lot of, 
there's a lot of weird infighting. So I love the genre. I love some of the people in it now. There's a very small group of people like Nicholas Sainsbury Smith. Kevin Pierce, obviously, the narrator, does so many of those titles. I've he's, heard of he's, Kevin. He's now a very <laughs> close friend of mine. Um, he He's a sweetheart of a guy, too. He, uh, You and he were two of the only people that called me when there were some things going on. Um, and I, I will never forget that because there weren't a lot of people, there were a lot of people that had genuine questions, but a lot more people, a lot less people actually cared enough to reach out and, and personalize it. So, yeah, no, Kevin's uh, a great guy. I've, I've, um, I met Kevin at APAC a couple of years ago and, uh, the audiobook publishers association conference yeah. and, um, Kevin's great. Kevin is the one narrator who, uh, I got a... I got. I don't remember if it was a negative review or if it was a. And I, and I he's seen this. I tagged him on it, so I'm not talking out of school here. But um, I I got a either a negative or a or a mediocre review at some point saying, um, yeah, maybe if it had been narrated by Kevin Pierce, and it it just it's one of those things where it's like. <laughs> You know, you really shouldn't compare people to other people who do the same thing. But it's okay because I know Kevin. He's a great guy and he's a great narrator. So <laughs> I'm trying uh, to think. I'm a little worried. I wrote that review because I've, I've I think I've said that before, but I don't think it was about you specifically. No, I'm I'm pretty sure. Well, I don't know. Does your name show up as your name if you write it does. audible reviews? It does. Yeah, it was. It yeah. wasn't you. Yeah. Yeah. So although now I'm gonna have to go back and look anyway. So, uh, so what about, um, so those, so mostly sci-fi post, some post-apocalyptic, um, techno thrillers. What about other things like romance? You ever listen to romance? I have never. And so now I, it's funny cause I'm intrigued because I made the joke a while ago and I don't even remember who I made it to. I made the joke and I said, if RC Bray ever was in a romance novel, I would pick it up. And God damn it, he is. <laughs> <laughs> he's in one. I want to say it's by Lauren Blakely. Uh, oh, I know that name. Yeah. Um, she's uh, extremely well known. So what they did, I'll find it. It's in my wish list on Amazon or on Audible. Um, I haven't bought it yet, but it is called Birthday Suit. Oh, sure, Birthday Suit. That was a uh, multicast, wasn't it? Oh, it's a significant multicast. Yeah, I think it's like 10, or, 10 Arndt, or 15 people. Yeah. Arndt, Sebastian York, R.C. Bray, January Lavoie. Yeah, all kinds of big names there. Julia Whelan, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, lots of names on that one. So, so now you're going to have to listen to a romance. I know, but it, I think that one technically is more like a rom-com, and I... I will out myself here. I absolutely love romance comedies on like in movies, so I probably would like. I'll probably like it. Yeah, so. my my guess is that you will, and it's and it's going to be one of those things. Since you seem to like quite a few different things, it's going to be one of those things where you listen to something, and you think, I never would have thought I would like that, but yep. hey, I like that. Yep, there's a couple like uh, C. T. Phipps is a great uh, fantasy author. He's kind of the one I was alluding to earlier. I don't. I I you know for years didn't even like that they they combined sci-fi and fantasy into a genre. Cause when I go to the library as a kid, you know, I liked the sci-fi books, I like the Arthur C. Clarke kind of books, but mm -hmm. not, not any kind of, you know, epic fantasies. And then I read a book by like C.T. Phipps and it's totally different than what I expected. And I really liked it and it's funny and it made me laugh and it made me cry and, you know, all the good things you want out of a book. So, right. well, that's good. Um, so quite a few different genres and you're going to mm -hmm. be uh, branching out soon. So, <laughs> Of, of all those audiobooks that you listen to now, and and here we get to kind of the, the meat of why I want to talk to a power listener on, on this podcast, is what makes an audiobook work for you? You've heard, you've clearly listened to, you know, hundreds of, or over a hundred in one year, and so uh, probably several hundred audiobooks. What makes an audiobook work for you? So do you want the full list? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that we have that much time, but so, um, no, exactly. But, but, so but what do you notice? What do you notice about an audiobook that really enhances the experience? Like you mentioned one where you were listening and 15 minutes later you stopped whatever else you were doing because you were so engaged in the story. What is it that that does that for you? Man, so the I I feel like I'm stealing it from someone because I feel like I heard it in in another podcast or somewhere else that was but when there's there's two kind of flip sides of it, and I like them both. One of them is when you don't notice the narrator at all. Right. Yeah. And it's hard. It's that's like that one's hard because it's really hard to describe. But basically, you're sitting there, and it's almost like you're reading it. Where like it, it's the choices you would have made. There's a lot of um, 
familiarity, whether it be a voice you listen to a lot, like an R.C. Bray or Kevin Pierce for me, or it's just so to him well produced and, and narrated that you don't even think about the narrator. And that's, I think it was actually ironically now that I think about it, I think it was in an interview I did with Kevin Pierce where he said the biggest compliment he's ever gotten was that he he forgot that he was listening to an audiobook. He forgot that Kevin was even narrating it. Like it yeah. was like he wasn't even there. So I, I think I heard that actually. And, yeah, and, so, and I like that. It makes me think of theater because I, I think one of the best things about a theatrical production is that you love the production and you don't say anything about the lighting or the sound mm-hmm. as, as an audience member, but that all of those things were what made it so great. And so you don't even notice them because they're so great. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I totally agree because that's one of those things when it's wrong, you notice it right away. Yep. Why is it so dark over there? I can't see that actor on the stage. And, and so you think that the lighting is bad. But if, if that never happens, you never mention the lighting, but it's because that's, it was so spot on. So I, I totally get that. I, I could see how that's true in audiobook too, in, in audiobook work as well. If you're listening and you don't even notice the narrator, good thing. Yeah, so that's kind of the that's the that's kind of the the hard one to describe. The easy one to describe is just, and I say easy now that I'm I'm having difficulty even finding the right word, but it's just good. <laughs> the production, <laughs> the, the, so that's like so it's a lot of it's a lot of what you just kind of talked about. There's a lot of things that go into an audiobook that an average, uh, let's say you're an Audible Gold member and you get twelve titles a year and you actually only buy twelve titles a year, which I don't think I know anybody that does that, but um, let's say you're one of those people and it's just one of those things where you, it's just good. Like the, the production value is good. Like the, but the, anyways, I was trying sorry, I've got sidetracked with my own, my own like comparison, but basically if you're a 12 title a year listener or under even 40 titles a year, let's say, which is probably the average normal person who's listening to audiobooks, yeah, you're not few, listening few for certain things. You're, 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 you're listening to the story. You're not listening for things when you're a, when you're a power listener, as you kind of alluded to me, I'm listening to production value. I'm listening for pops and clicks. I'm listening for breathing noises. I had a book years ago and it was, it was a, it was a very small indie title. I can't even remember what it was, but you could hear the breathing and it just drove me bonkers. I couldn't, you could hear his every inhale, and it just, I, I couldn't get over it. I, I tried to speed the book up. I tried to do everything in my power to get past it. And it just irked me. So, so so it wasn't so much that you could hear breathing. It's that you could hear every single breath and they were all too loud. It took, it took you instantly out of the story. That is correct. And yeah. because of that, yes, it was too loud. It's not, yeah, you're right. Cause a, a, a normal person breathes when they talk, but you don't normally hear it. Mm-hmm. So that's fine if it's there and it's fine if it's in the background. That's that's to- I expect you to take a breath while you're talking is what people do. But when it's too loud or, you know, like I said, it's um, it's a weird choice and it's not a choice. It's just a production value thing. It was probably they only had X amount of dollars and they couldn't really do anything about it or didn't have the knowledge, um, which is fine. But um, it's really uh, now that I say it was easy to describe, I realize it's a lot harder to describe. It's just <laughs> it's just like um it's a performance. That's the, uh, you, you kind of alluded to that, but it's a performance. It's not just somebody sitting in a dark room reading to you. It's, it's a performance. It's somebody taking the time to, um, give the book life. Um, that's my favorite thing about audiobooks in general. It's just that it's, it's a, it's an artistic choice. I, I love when you know that the author and the narrator work together and you can tell it's, the author's choice because they wrote the book and it's great, but sometimes authors don't care. Sometimes authors say, no, it's make it your own. I think a lot of RC Bray titles were, are, are that way. It's just, no, mm-hmm. go ahead, Bob, make it your own. I don't care. I'm not going to, I'm not going to direct you. And when he nails it, he nails it. I mean, when people get it right, it's so good. And it's just becomes this, this performance. It's like watching a movie where you're not thinking about the production quality. You're not thinking about, Oh, could you turn that, that, you know, that one character's voice up a little bit or, that's a weird casting. It's just there. It's just all there for you. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it's it's mostly it sounds like it's mostly about what you notice that's negative rather mm-hmm. than noticing specific positive things. That's that's you're you're dead right. I mean that's really what it is. I I could it's I'm not good at negative. I'm not real good at negative reviews, but I can tell you right away if I don't like a book or specifically an audiobook and why I don't like it. I'm very without even questioning it, I'm very good at that. But I, 
even a book that like rubs me the wrong way, I have a hard time figuring out like, well, how do I write it this way? You know, why didn't I like it? If something in an audiobook bothers me, it, it's very, very bothersome instead of, you know, everything goes right. I don't even think about it. It's just kind of there. I think about yeah. it a little bit as, as a reviewer, just because I'm trying to convey to another, to another potential buyer, why this book over other, some other book, but, but yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely the things that go wrong that I, that really bother me more than the, you know, 300 things that go right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully there are that many in, uh, in the books that we narrate. Um, what about male versus female? Do you have any, any preference on male narrators or female narrators, or does it really depend on the book or anything else? No, it's, you know, earlier on, I thought I did. Um, and then I, it was just titles and, and, and choices in said titles. Um, and I have no, I wouldn't throw anybody under the bus anyways, but I have no even examples because it, I was so, I was such a rookie at that point. I couldn't even make a good decision where now the only thing that I get upset about, um, or that bothers me is when it's, I don't even care if it's a male reading, if it's, if it's a full on the entire story is females and a male narrative, that's fine. If he chooses to do the voice as well. I just don't be whiny and make a fake female voice. Like either put the time and effort in to make the females sound right. If that's what the, the, the publisher or whoever wanted to, 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 you know, pick the male for that, that's fine. Mm-hmm. There's there. The irony is the one negative story I have that I, I won't, I really don't, well, I won't get into relates to that exact question. It was a, it was a horrifically, uh, chosen narrator for, for the type of, it was a male narrator for a very strong, um, like Alexandria Ocasio type kind of female, very, very outspoken, very easy to figure out. And the male was a very Southern twangy about as polar opposite from the real characters you get. <laughs> and I called it out in my book. I called it out in my review and I just, I, I just said, I, I don't think it was a good choice. I wasn't mean about it. I just said, I, you know, I wasn't mean about his voice. Cause his, I even mentioned that his voice would be great for a lot of other titles, right? Just not this title, just a casting and, issue. Yeah. And it was just weird. And you know, the, the publisher reached out to me and was a huge pain in my, my rear end. And the irony is they recast it like a year later. Oh, no kidding. So they redid it. So, and the irony is he still didn't pick a female. They picked huh. another, they had another bad choice, but they then they recast it because it had three reviews. They were all one stars. And the top review was mine saying, I'm sorry, this probably isn't a good choice for an audiobook. I would read, the, I would physically read the book instead. Right. That's, so that's interesting that they, that they cast it again with a male narrator. Um, I know. I, it, I almost feel of, like it was spite. <laughs> well, it's one of those things where, uh, there are so many situations in this industry. Yeah. In life in general, but in this industry where, Oh boy, I wish I could be a fly on the wall in the in the offices of some of the the casting directors and producers who make choices about how an audiobook is going to be produced. Um, because some of them seem a little odd to me. That one is obviously extreme. I don't think mm-hmm. that I've I've listened to anything where I would I had that extreme of a reaction. But um, from everything that you say, it sounds like a pretty extreme example. Um, but even the ones that aren't extreme, sometimes I think, huh, boy, I <laughs> wish I could have heard the conversations leading up to that. <laughs> For sure, I yeah. agree. So, uh, so what do you do when you're not reading or listening to a book? I mean, it's hard for me to imagine with as many books as you listening, as you listen to, and you've got a full-time job, um, you know, what do you do when you're not doing that? You're married. You ever see your wife? (laughs) I am. I am. I do. Um, I, so we both have obviously have full-time jobs. Um, we work pretty similar hours. We get home around the same time. So we have kind of dinner time to, to have dinner and watch TV um, and then she falls asleep pretty early and I'm, I like, I used to work thirds. So I like, I'm just used to being up late, but I've, excuse me, kind of tried to reprogram myself, but it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. We, it's we, really hard. We've got that same situation here at my it's, house is once it hits, once it hits nine o'clock. Mm, yeah. Jenny's not going to be awake too much longer. <laughs> I mean, it's, I could, and I could stay up until one or two every day. No problem. That is, I mean, you pretty much almost nailed it. So it's, <laughs> it's about nine thirty or ten. My 
you know, it's the, I always call it like the cuddle time. You have the cuddle time. And then my cutoff for her is like 1030. I'm like, babe, what are you doing? You're not, you're not supposed to be awake now. <laughs> so I, uh, I get up from that. I usually come out here. I crack a craft beer. I, like I said, I write the craft beer blog. So that's another, uh, it's definitely a hobby of mine. I'm looking at my beer fridge right now. I could name you the craziest named beers you could never have come up with. <laughs> um, and so I'll have a beer, I'll sit down, I'll sit down on my Xbox. I'll most of the time I play during the week, I play by myself. So I'll play most of the time if I, especially if I have books that I want to finish, like I really wanted to listen to hell divers last night. So I just sat down and put FIFA on, I played two or three matches of soccer, um, and listened to an hour to an hour and a half of my audiobook and came to bed. So like just let's, uh, so I like video games. Um, I like craft beer a lot. Uh, I like to travel. Um, I don't get to as much as I'd like to, but my dad is a big traveler. Um, and my mother doesn't really like to travel too much. Um, and so we've done little guy trips, but we don't even call them that. It was just because he wanted somebody to travel with. So we'd go, he wanted to drive through the, the continuous 48. He had done maybe 30 or so. So maybe three, four years ago, maybe a little longer than that. We flew to Denver and did a big loop down into Texas, around into Indiana, uh, you know, just kind of around, it was awesome. And then a little bonding time there. Yeah, it was awesome. And then two years ago we do flew out to Seattle, drove as far as Minnesota and drove back to Portland, Oregon. Um, he even mentioned when we got to to the Minnesota state line, he's like, you do know we're closer to home than we are to where we're going. (laughs) Thanks dad. But it's great because, you know, bonding time, he's, he just yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday, not for the two days ago for when we record this just turned 69. Uh, so like, it's a wonderful amount of time for me to spend with him. That is, uh, I, I love I, it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, um, I envy that. Yeah. My, uh, my dad just turned 85 yesterday. And, um, of course, you know, with the dementia thing, um, oh. there really isn't much interaction anymore. No. And, um, yeah, holy cow, that would have been, uh, I, that you are a lucky guy that I, I, I can just <laughs> I say know. that being able to, to spend that amount of time, you know, assuming that you get along and everything's yeah. fine, yeah. uh, being able to spend that, that amount of time on that kind of an adventure together. That, yeah. that sounds great. So, so the, uh, cool, the cool part about that too, is we, he wasn't into craft beer the first time we went to Denver. Denver is huge, huge into craft beer, obviously. Oh yeah. I got a friend out there who works at a brewery. <laughs> what brewery? Do you know? Oh, I don't, I don't remember now. I'll, I will, I will definitively sidetrack this conversation. If you could remember that, I would, <laughs> I, I can't, but I, um, I'll, I'll try to look him up. Um, I don't know okay. if I'll, I don't know if I have access to anything right now. I don't, I That's definitely fine. don't have That's his business card handy, but I know that, you know, we, we joke sometimes because I, I think so, uh, Dan, you're, you're actually working in a brewery. Um, is there a Boulder beer company? I guess, oh, yeah. uh, is, uh, is where he works. Um, you know, is there any other job that you can think of that would have been more of the dream job for you? And it's an immediate, no, not a chance. Yeah. yeah I actually used to sell beer. I, I worked for a beer distributor for a couple of years uh. and I, I loved it, but boy, that lifestyle, um, it, it ages you because you drink a lot. Yeah. You drink a lot for work. So you always find that excuse and that reason. And it it takes a toll on your body because you're out three four nights a week after you work all day and then you go out after work because you've got to you know go out with clients and you know got new just uh, it was it's a great life I loved it I love doing it really glad I don't do it anymore I love the experience <laughs> I I got a lot of free beer um both in bars and just given to me then but the blog is cool for that too because. Every once in a while, somebody will reach out. I just had uh, Boulevard Brewing Company uh, reach out, and they sent me a couple beers for me to try. So, still happens. It's great, but um, yeah, we ended up doing the first time. He didn't really. My dad didn't really like craft beer. He would drive me around to a couple breweries, and that was cool. And then the last two trips we've done were excuses to see the states, but we literally everywhere we would go, we would stop and see breweries. So like, well, you like this stuff, so maybe I'll give it a try. And that's what we did. I just (laughs) kept giving him. So he was always a Guinness guy, right? He liked Guinness. So I was like, well, off of that, uh, you probably like, and I found him like a, a, you know, can do that with any kind of drink. You know, I, you like whiskey, then you'll probably like this if you like. Yeah. So, um, it's cool. He loves it. He, uh, (laughs) have a lot of fun traveling with him. We're going to do another little tour this year we're going to do michigan 
Wisconsin and Minnesota and actually see the state because we kind of drove into Minnesota and then back out. We didn't really stop anywhere. So, mm. um, so yeah, well, that'll be fun. That's, that's cool. I, I'm I'm glad that you get a chance to do that. Um, yeah. At, so at, at this stage in in his life and yours, yep, but um, it's uh, it's good timing. So as an avid audiobook listener, what words of wisdom would you have for narrators out there? Let's just go with to start with, and I'll. I'll um, delve in a little bit further, uh, in a minute, but uh, just the narration. <laughs> it's a, it's a loaded question here. Uh, <laughs> cause I don't want to do what you mentioned earlier. I don't want to call it all the bad things either. I just want to, there's a lot of good you can do to a book. Uh, do the research on the book. That's, I can tell a lot when a book hasn't been fully researched out. Um, if you have access to the author, um, especially through like ACX and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. run things you're trying by them. Um, because there's been choices made in books where I'm just like, what? Like, you know, and, and from huge narrators, like there's a, a huge, uh, like Blackstone title where I talked to the author and he was just like, yeah, they, I had no control over it. And he goes, and it's, unfortunate it's the first book in the series and it just really rubbed people the wrong way Mm. but like you can you know you can make cool artistic decisions but just talk to the author if you have the possibility do that like they're willing to work with you a lot more than i think a lot of people realize yeah i i think that that varies i think that for a blackstone title um it's going to be mostly up to the production team and not the author although i will also say that having spoken to several people at blackstone um, most audiobook production companies now, including, and maybe especially the big publishers, mm-hmm. they actually welcome the input from the author. Not always. And I, sure. as, and I assume just people being people, I assume that it is partially person dependent. Um, it could mm-hmm. be that there are, you know, personality conflicts or, or whatever, but overall I get the impression that more and more the publishing companies are willing to have the author be part of the process. So I could see how that could be beneficial, especially if you're talking about something like a, um, like a fantasy type book where you're, you're building an entire world, uh, that, that could be beneficial to get their, their input. I could also see if you're dealing with a, a platform like ACX, uh, one of the big problems that narrators have is micromanaging. Well, no, you need to, you know, raise the pitch just a a little bit on this character. (laughs) And it it just gets uh, really horrible um, in in some instances. But but I could certainly see how in situations where it's possible, it's a good thing. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's there's always the balance too, right. I mean, there's there's that there's always going to be a micromanager and there's always going to be somebody who just could not care. I mean, Mm -hmm. and you're always going to have both. Um, like I said, if it's welcome or if it's there, um, get it. I, I think, and it's funny cause I, it's something because of, I have, you know, I've had 15 to 20 interviews with authors and narrators. A lot of times authors and narrators who have worked closely together. I, I did a, a podcast that was talking about audiobooks for a little while with another blogger that I, that I knew. And, um, some of the neatest things I found out of that were, just little tidbits that, you know, I know, but not a lot of listeners know, but now that I know them, I can't ever stop thinking about them. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, you know, once you get a look behind ex- the curtain, for example, you are narrating a book one in a series, even though you haven't signed on for books two and three, uh, keep a file of the different voice choices you make is mm-hmm. a great example. Like, uh, you, you might the book might do really well. The audiobook might do really well. It might might surprise them. They might have only had a budget for book one and they said, well, you know, we can't do book twos and three two and three yet. Um and you might have written it off like it might not ever happen. And then you forgot how you voiced this, you know, very specific voice. Mm-hmm. Um and you gotta go back and find it in the full audiobook or at least your recording of it. So yeah. um I've seen that. That was one of the ones that was neat that you didn't I didn't think about was like or I, it was one of my genuine questions. Like, how do you, like you talked about the like giant fantasy books where they've got, you know, 15 titles. Mm-hmm. How do you come up with new voices? Like, how do you do those? Cause those are crazy to me, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. Believe me. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, other than that, I would say, um, find an audience for your book on social media. 
and give some of the codes if you have them. Like ACX gives the codes out, obviously. Mm-hmm. Give some of the codes out to some people and get some reviews as early on as possible. I, I You can't force anybody to review anything, obviously. It's against Amazon policy, but... Um, right. You know, those codes can go – a lot of people don't even know about them. A lot of people don't even understand them. Um, and if you're a narrator and your author doesn't know or understand about them, I would spend a little bit of time and energy if they're at all acceptable to it, explaining what they are for and have them help you promote the book as well because that's – you can have – you have great narrators who reach out and, you know, have great publicity and have great ability to talk to people on social media and you've – you know, that you – talk to the author and they don't care or they don't know, or they have just no ability to help. So like if they want to help and they don't know how, like that's a great way you can find more people to review that way. That's another one that I didn't know about until I started to get really deep into it. You know, the first five codes you're saying you're like, this is weird. And then now when anybody sends me the instructions, I'm like, you're funny. I, I know how to, I know how to redeem these right. <laughs> the 15 ways that audible makes you do it depending on what kind of book it is. Yeah, I, I don't know if you're aware, but um, ACX just changed. We just got the notification in the in the last couple of days that the the whole code thing is changing. And, it is, and as far as we can tell, it's in a good way. It is. From my memory of reading about it, you're going to get a lot more codes, and they're going to be tied to the book. They're tied to the book, and I think I actually just got my first one without mm. even realizing it because I. I went through my I, it literally if I type in AU and go down it goes to audible if I go down twice it goes to the audible redeem the code because mm-hmm. it's have it so very obviously I go to it a lot right um I entered it in and nothing happened I didn't get the error I didn't get the you have one credit to spend and I was like what on earth and I, I entered it again and it did it again and I was like I don't know what's happening like I was like I don't I've I've seen about every audible error you can see when it comes to entering a code. <laughs> I had never seen nothing. I had never seen nothing happening. The page changed. It looked very similar to the page that I was used to, but I was like, uh, nothing's on here. So then I was like, uh, uh, maybe I'll email the person. And I went to my library or I went to the book to see. I was like, well, maybe because every once in a while it would take a minute or two for the credit to show up. And I was like, well, maybe the credit will show up if I go to the book. And I went to the book and it was like in your library. And Already I was there. Really, That's great. I was really confused. And then I remembered reading the kind of yeah. no, press release kind of thing that came out for that. So. That's great. I know that for, for people who hand out the codes, it's always a concern. If sure. I hand out, you know, 20 of these codes and 19 of them get used for my book, well, that's okay. But if one of them gets used for my book and people just steal them and use them for whatever they want, I'm not really happy about that. So I I think that um, as far as I can tell from what I've read so far, I haven't used them at all or or gone into the the emails that I've gotten about the program in detail. But from everything that I've, I've seen so far, it seems like it's a really good thing. Well, that's awesome. If you don't mind, and this can be edited out later if you want, if you could just give me a summary of the change... I, I can forward you the email that I got from ACX, which was uh, very uh, descriptive. So okay. I haven't gone through the whole thing, so I can't give okay. you the details. But no, it's um, fine. It, it, they are in there, and I also saw a post from somebody who's very knowledgeable about ACX. I'm sure that you've listened to something by uh, Jeffrey Kafer. I was going to say, was it Jeffrey Kafer? It was, yep. of. And, uh, and he's very dialed into, and I think he has contacts there, and, um, and he had – he had enough to say positive that made me think I am going to believe this is a very positive yes. thing on the, on the part of ACX and all. Yeah, he, so. he really has his finger on the pulse for sure. He yes. is, yeah. he is an insanely smart guy. Also one of the most humble and one of the nicest guys in the industry. He's one of those, um, always helpful people. So, um, yep. if you're okay with it, one of the other suggestions I was going to have was actually audiobook boom. I don't, Oh, sure. Don't yeah. I don't want to promote something that that obviously is not yours, but Jeffrey Kafer runs Audiobook Boom, and I think there's changes to that coming as well. I, yeah, no, I, I have no problem. I, I have no problem with uh, giving a shout out to Audiobook Boom at all. Most, I'm sure that most of my listeners are familiar with Audiobook Boom. Cool. The ones who aren't, go check it out, audiobookboom.com. Um, and uh, Jeffrey really runs a, a good program over there that I know from interactions with other narrators has been helpful to many people, myself included. Yep. Um, so it's a, it's a good program. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I got at least one of your titles through that. I think I'm could be, I want to say be. I got currency of souls through that, but maybe not. I think you might've, you and I might've just talked. I can't remember about that one, but, um, no, I, I think that might be the one. Um, I think, 
I, I think so because I, I knew Keelan's. I knew Keelan. I knew I was like excited about the title, and then I knew your work, and I knew I knew a little bit about the speakeasy as well. And I was like, all right, cool. I mean, like it's like a win-win-win for me. I was like, yeah, all right, I'll try it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think that was probably the one because um, I, I have used Audiobook Boom several times, and most yeah. of the people that I'm uh, interacting with on a regular basis online also use it for uh, specific reasons. I mean, it's not like you're going to actually use it if a publisher. Um, if, if a publisher is paying you to narrate, but for royalty share, even if it's yeah. not royalty share, but you really, for some reason you, you want to get, um, buzz out there. Uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a great thing. It's great. And it's one of those things that I, I it's, a, it'll lead into my final kind of suggestion for any kind of narrator, which is don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, the, as I mentioned earlier, the, the community is wonderful. Ask for help from, and the people who won't help you or can't help you or are too busy to help you will let you know there, there's not a lot of people that'll, you know, there are people who are coaches, um, and they probably won't give away free help, but a lot of, you know, the, the middle ground people, if you have a, a quick question about, um, you know, a filter in a program you use a lot, write it on Twitter. There's a lot of other narrators on there that'll help you out or ask it in. I I've heard of these infamous narrator groups, that I would love, as you said, I'd love to be a fly on the wall and just to see what they talk about. Like, um, but there's a lot of extremely helpful people in the industry. There's a lot of people that work, you know, solo and do this, you know, completely indie on their own. Um, even people reach out to me. I mean, people, I, I, I have enough of a reach now where when somebody says, Hey, I have this new audiobook. I obviously submitted it for you to review, but how do I get it to other people? And obviously my first kind of suggestion is audiobook boom, because I know how quickly it gets out to a massive list of people. But, you know, people ask me as well, like you can ask reviewers, like, do you have any friends that might like this title? Do you have any people you would recommend? Um, you know, I've got a, a or an author right now that just I as as you were calling me, I got an email from them that said, hey, who are other bloggers you trust? Like. I don't mind it. I'll spend the five minutes it takes to, you know, compile a list for people. It's fine. It's, sure. it's a wonderful, you know, it's a wonderful thing to do. And I love passing it on and, you know, helping other people out. And there's blogs that are bigger than me. I'll recommend and there's blogs that are smaller than me. I'll recommend. It's just great. It's a great way to get other people. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Ask for help. I will also add to that before you ask for help. <laughs> do as much research as you can Google on it. your own. So yeah, Google, Google something. Um, use a search function in a Facebook group, yep. um, you know, maybe do a, a direct question to somebody specific yep. and then absolutely ask for help. Um, I have given help. I have asked for help and been rewarded with, yep. you know, helpful answers. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. It's a great community and there are a lot of people who are willing to help. Um, so it's good to hear that, that you get those requests as well. Yeah, they're always it's it's always one of those uh, puts a smile on my face, and it's also humbling kind of moments where it's like, oh wow, people want to know what I think. Right. And granted, right. my whole blog is what I think. Right. I mean, it's it's not. I'm not kidding myself that I'm not writing things about what I think about something. But it's like, hey, I see all of these things. I need your help, or can you help me? Is there a way you could spend five minutes and do this? I'm like, sure, no problem. It's not a big deal. Um, right. So that, that, that actually is a good lead in to where is your blog? Where can people find you? Sure. So if you just go to briansbookblog.com, Brian with an I, uh, briansbookblog.com. I am Brian, I think it's Brian's underscore books on Twitter. Um, I believe, uh, but if you just search for Brian's book blog, um, on Google, you should see me mostly. I think I'm finally at the top though. There was a guy who wrote a blog for like a week. <laughs> and it's, it, he got the briansbooks.com and I was very frustrated by that because oh, yeah. I wanted that more. But, um, but I like the name. It's the triple B it's, it's, it works really well for me. Uh, it, but I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram as Brian's underscore books, um, Facebook. I couldn't tell you the name of it, but if you search for Brian's book blog and same thing with, uh, the actual site is briansbookblog.com. All right, cool. I'm, I'm sure that people can find you easily with that information. Yep. I hope so. All right. Well, Brian, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming in. I hope the uh, dark and stormy was good. It was, I made, uh, it's funny cause I, I was going to make a pint because you, you joked about that, but I, I made a, I made a little guy first 
And then I decided to make a pint as well. So I ended up having a drink <laughs> while we were talking. A big dark and stormy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine. I hope it's not too dark and stormy there, but I'm I'm uh, hopeful that even if it is, as long as you've got a dark and stormy inside, you're doing well. It really helps out. So <laughs> I can tell you that the uh, the Long Branch was uh, quite good. I oh, good. Uh, I think that it is definitely a step up from the basic wild turkey. Uh, I don't think it's the best bourbon I've ever had, but uh, but it was quite good. So I'm uh, I'm happy with that purchase. So if you were going to recommend anything with with or how I drink my my Caskmates IPA, how would you what's your what's your uh, recommendation on that one? Well, typically when I drink pretty much any whiskey, I'm either drinking it neat, I would say mm-hmm. probably more than half the time I'm drinking it neat, or I'm drinking it with one or two relatively small ice cubes like I did tonight with this Long Branch. Um, just to dilute it a little bit and to Mm -hmm. keep it cool. So I'm sitting here in my booth and, uh, you know, if I can keep cool, that's always a good thing. (laughs) Um, so just a couple of ice cubes doesn't dilute it too much, but I would say more than half the time I just drink it neat. I would, I would always recommend if you're just for the first time tasting something, um, if you don't have a Glencairn glass, get a Glencairn glass, and the first time you drink something, whether it's gin, bourbon, Irish, whatever, um, just pour pour an ounce or two into a Glencairn glass and drink it neat. And that way you have a good sense of what this is. And then you can decide, well, I'd rather have this in a mixed drink or I'd rather have this on ice or anything else. But the first time... I almost always try to drink it straight first so that I can get a good sense of it. Sure. I don't have one of those, but I do have a lot of similar, like I have, I've, I do have a lot of like whiskey sniffer, snifters mm-hmm. yeah. for the beer. So I'm, I'm hoping I have something similar. Yeah. It's a little bit like my IPA glass as well. Yeah, but. no, I'm sure that would be fine. Uh, <laughs> Glencairn is just kind of generally considered the type of glass that's best for, for nosing a whiskey. Sure. Um, it, it doesn't make a, a huge amount of difference. I've also got my sister a couple of years ago, got me some Norlin um, whiskey glasses that are, that are designed for drinking it neat. And because of the design, it's supposed to be good for this, good for that. Well, that's fine. It's good marketing. And it's also a good glass to drink from, so I use it frequently. But however you however you do it, whatever kind of glass it is, I just always recommend that because then you have an idea of what this thing is and how you might want to use it in the future. Um, and I would say especially for the cask mates um, – Definitely, you're going to want to give that a nose because you're going to. Oh, you're, sure. You're, 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 I'm sure that you're going to be able to, um, you know, tell that it was in that kind of a cask. Sure. I just looked up that Norlin glass. That's a pretty glass. Holy it cow. is. Yeah, they've got a <laughs> they've got a new rocks glass too that I'm thinking about getting. Oh, interesting. Uh, really, really nice. So, anyway, Brian, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate your time. Uh, had a great time talking with you about uh, all things audiobooks. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Rich. I appreciate you having me on the speakeasy. And uh, once again, cheers, even though my my drink is gone now. All right. (laughs) So is mine. (laughs) Cheers. (laughs) Well, that's it for tonight. Many thanks to Brian Crespin for coming in for my 50th episode. I really enjoyed hearing his take on what works and what doesn't in an audiobook, and I hope you did too. As always, you can find the audiobook speakeasy on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean, and all the apps that pull from iTunes. And you can find me at richvoiceproductions.com, where I've got some samples and links to audiobooks I've narrated, and where I'm also posting episodes of the audiobook Speakeasy. If you're enjoying our Speakeasy chats, please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you're not enjoying them, please find a podcast you do enjoy and leave them a review. If you think this show is educational, entertaining, or valuable simply because it gives you an excuse to sit down and enjoy a cocktail in an otherwise hectic day, I'd really appreciate it if you'd add a buck or two to the tip jar. You can make a per-episode donation by signing up at patreon.com slash audiobookspeakeasy, or you can make a one-time donation by visiting paypal.me slash audiobookspeakeasy. Any financial support is greatly appreciated, as it helps me keep the lights on here in the speakeasy. We'll be closed in a couple of weeks, as I've got some work to get done next week, and the week after that is APAC, finally here. But I've already got a great chat scheduled after I return, so hopefully we'll be open again a couple of weeks later. Until we see you here in the speakeasy again, I hope you can find some time to enjoy an audiobook. Cheers! Mm-hmm.